0: Welcome to Mission
1: Control, Peralta Design's podcast on all things branding and digital marketing. Since 2008, Peralta Design has launched hundreds of brands with award-winning identities and websites. Join our hosts Ramon and Jorge as they use decades of combined experience to tackle topics with past clients, industry partners, and the rest of the PD crew. At Peralta Design, we launch brands, but for now, let's launch right into this episode of Mission Control.
0: Yeah, that was a little of uh, some Motley crew there. Kickstart my heart, little hairband intro, uh, courtesy of our guest. He is an executive coach, a speaker, and a published author who helps people and organizations achieve success. Please help me welcome Mr. Chad Betts. <laughs> Chad, so you picked a hairband, but you don't have any hair. So explain that one. That is, I used to have <laughs> hair. You're right.
1: It's hard. It's hard to thrash when you have no hair. So, that it just shows my age. I'm, a, I'm an '80s kid. And I love the '80s metal.
0: Awesome, awesome, man. Well, tell us uh, first of all, thank you for being here because I know this is. We've tried rescheduled we it. We were going to do Zoom. We we made it through the pandemic. So, thank you for finally being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, it's gotten in the way of a lot. I mean, yeah. It's really has been. A, a, unbelievably disruptive to us all. It has, it has. So tell the audience a, a little bit about yourself. Tell us uh, tell us your backstory. Sure.
1: So I've spent most of my career in financial services, mostly in mortgages. So if you've ever had a mortgage, paid one company last month, and then all of a sudden you're paying somebody else, I play in the middle there. I help banks and investment companies buy mortgages from each other. Uh, right now I help banks... Establish loan buying programs so they can supplement their originations.
0: Okay. So take us back to young Chad. He has hair. <laughs> A and lot he, of it actually. And he has dreams. When you were little, you weren't thinking you were going to sell mortgages and, and stuff. So what was one of the things you wanted to be when you grew up? I would say I was focused on adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, my
1: favorite time was... When The Scholastic Book Fair uh, yeah. would come to school and you have like six bucks and you can buy a bazillion books. You get that then, long
0: strip of that's you know, yes, you, you bring that in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I remember that,
1: and just yeah. the adventures yeah. and getting the National Geographic for Kids magazines yeah. where, yeah, living in Alaska <laughs> okay. and all of those where you know, it's. You know, you're just getting out there and having <laughs> adventures
0: yeah now did you you reminded me of those choose your own adventure books yeah. did you like those remember those where you could if you want to go through the door turn to page 10 or something like that yeah it, it's <laughs> funny i was i was more with the you know, looking at the wilderness i mean yeah, really yeah. getting out outside there. yes yeah did you go camping a lot as a kid
1: we did and i was in the scouts the mm-hmm. cub scouts and then i had boy scouts For whatever reason, the school didn't have it, so I didn't get there. But yes, being outside was always something I loved to do.
0: Yeah. And did you uh, come from a big family? No,
1: it's a smaller family. Yeah. Uh, my brother and I and you know, my parents and uh, usually had a dog.
0: So it mm-hmm. was uh, <laughs> And are you from were you from Connecticut or somewhere else originally? I
1: am. I actually grew up in Bridgeport. Okay. Uh, so when I was younger, grew up in the hollow on George Street across yep. from Columbus School. Then we moved to the north end. Uh, and I must have been really expensive because when I moved out, my parents
0: moved to Trumbull. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Yeah, I you know it's funny I, I have some ties to Bridgeport as well. I lived in the North End. I lived up there by Loopy's Drugstore there. Okay. Yeah, that area, um, Rockton Ave and Westfield Ave and. Yeah. yeah,
1: I was I was by Westfield. I was okay. just uh, I was on Thorn Street between yes. Madison and Park.
0: Yep. Excellent, excellent. So I'm I'm a, I know we're gonna get to this eventually. Your book, but being an author, which which we're gonna talk about. But did do you feel that even at that young age, you had a passion for books or did you know passion for writing? More of reading.
1: So Mm -hmm. I was an avid reader when I was younger. Uh, It's interesting when I was a young adult, I did actually write a book and I forgot all about it. I didn't publish it. I didn't do anything with it. And I didn't think of it until I was writing the second book. I said, whatever happened to that mm-hmm. book? And it's probably stuck on some floppy disk somewhere <laughs> that no one could ever translate because it's, you know, 17 <laughs> operating systems ago.
0: <laughs> what was your first computer? Because I, lo- I love this question because it really dates you. I can tell your generation. Okay, I, what was, I
1: was yeah, the age and geek. Yeah. Uh, Timex Sinclair. Oh, wow. And then I had a Commodore VIC-20. Okay. Uh, Then I really got high tech, and I got an Apple IIe. Yeah,
0: yeah, (laughs) love it, love it. Mine, I had a Commodore 64, Mm -hmm. but my friends had, uh, one of my friends had the the Texas Instruments TI-99 or something, where you literally, we were playing video games with like a cassette tape that you popped in. It was, Kev, this was way before... Way before my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were like, might as well have like chisels and stones, for, you know, technology wise. But uh, it seems that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But um, excellent, man. So, you know, how did you take this? This, you know, obviously you're working with executives and, and banks and, and, and you're in the financial industry. But how at what point does that translate over into to leadership coaching and, and, and what you're doing today? it was
1: life lessons mm-hmm. and understanding how much of an impact I've had on people. Cause I really never knew 20 some odd years ago, I ran a large volunteer organization and it was hard. It was a, it was a one year stint I had a, had to deal with a lot of crises and I didn't really realize the impact I had. It was just something that was done. I was glad to have it over. And then, 15, 18 years later, running into people saying, you know, the impact you had on me had changed my whole career. Wow. And it was that that really showed me that I can help people. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. It's, you know, a lot of times you have you know, these people, you hang to coach slate on your wall, and it's like, oh, it's about me and how great I am, blah, 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 but it really, it's about how do you make people better? And the experience of the volunteer work and having that feedback that I had that impact on people showed me that I can help people. And that's where it started. And that's, you know, it continues where I I really want to help people.
0: I love that. I I love that it was driven by feedback Mm -hmm. and not yourself thinking, like, hey, uh, you know, I'm a honcho. I'm going to get out there and people are going to pay me to train them, but rather, the people, you know, you give the people what they want, you right? Know, right. You heard good feedback, um, and tell us a bit about because um, we're big on like socially responsible companies and mm-hmm. and all that and social causes and and you know that. Tell us a bit more about the volunteer work you did and what that organization was all about. Sure. Back then, it was uh, I was with the JCS, okay. so we
1: did you know, a lot of fundraising, and uh, it's it's interesting how. Uh, someone's volunteer work can evolve. So when I was younger, I was on the front lines, basically, Mm -hmm. collecting the food, collecting the money. Then I got where I was in leadership, where I was organizing the projects, then organizing chapters. And now I find a lot of my volunteer work is in an advisory position. Mm -hmm. So like right now I'm working with a group that's trying to set up uh, mentoring for uh, disadvantaged young adults to help them get better career options. Mm-hmm. So I'm not doing the work, I am doing the advising using my experience, I'm sitting on the board advising the leaders right. of this group so they can then go out, find people to help execute. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, that's really where my passion is, I find there's just people are just left behind mm-hmm. uh, and they don't necessarily have the confidence to move forward, they, have, they can have the skills, uh, the intelligence, just not the opportunity and if you're surrounded by you know misery and people degrading you basically it's really hard to come up from that so to be able to establish it where you have a credible mentor who could help someone to move it up and then build a program around that so we're still in the pilot stage now Mm -hmm. uh, but if we can do that and expand that out to really help people get opportunities uh, because that's that's where success comes from you need that one opportunity, you need that success under your belt. So you say, you know what, I did succeed, I can move forward, and you take the next step. But if you have if you feel like it's failure after failure after failure, it's very hard to escape from that. Yeah, it's like a sense of hopelessness or you know, yeah, they can't seem
0: beyond their immediate surroundings.
1: Yeah, and we all say about the COVID mm-hmm. epidemic, but there's an epidemic of hopelessness in our youth. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's you know it's it lower socioeconomic uh, is impacted more, but it's generally across the board, uh, with depression and anxiety and, you know, it's the pandemic didn't help with locking everything down,
0: right. but really, there isn't, there's an epidemic of hopelessness. Right. That's profound. And, and I agree. And, um, tell us, I, I want to kind of dig more into your brand story because I, we are going to get to your books and, and, what drives you? Like, why do you care about these young people? Is there something in your past that made you kind of like say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dedicate some of my, my time towards this, this disadvantaged youth? I was
1: blessed by having a strong family unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were never wealthy. My uh, father was a teacher, then he moved his way up through the system to become assistant superintendent. And at one point I was acting superintendent and my mother was a librarian. So I always had the support systems. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't until it was brought to my attention. You know, everything is, you know, within what's in your eyesight. You know, and I, I grew up in Bridgeport and, you know, and uh, I would, when I was younger, it was really, it was on George street, which is right by the green apartment. So you, yep. you do see, uh, well, you those know, are the
0: projects for those right. that aren't. I'm sorry. Religion. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. They
1: could say it's a uh, public housing unit and it's, it's, it's a uh, really quick, just quick aside story. I was uh, dating a girl who, who lived there. Uh, cause I worked at the wall bombs grocery store. Oh with yeah. Her. I remember wall bombs. Yeah. So <laughs> I go and I, I drop her was off. Was it Pathmark first. Or it was or King Cole. Or King Cole.
0: Yeah, yeah, and there was a Carvel right right across. That's right. right that's the right. up Aquatic Street there. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So, uh, so I, I dropped her off after the date, and I got surrounded by four police cars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> so no. we we didn't date again. <laughs> but oh, no. that's, I know. But it's uh, no that that place is the place is hardcore. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. it's rough. Yeah. Um, but it it came about later where getting a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, when I was working with some of the mentoring and actually through Sacred Heart University, I was on their diversity council. Uh, they, A lot of people perceive you go and you visit and, oh, you're helping. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way it's it's looked upon, it's almost like it's it's socioeconomic tourism. You go, it's like, oh, look at the poor people, basically. you right. are really not helping. Right. So what you need to do is really offer something that builds people up. It's not just, you know, say, oh, yeah, I'm from the suburbs. Oh, wow, yeah, they have it hard. Oh, thanks for coming. You know, I'll see you next <laughs> week. You know, it's you know, something where you can really build something mm-hmm. uh, that helps people. And that was It was that visibility where I didn't have that perspective. Uh, and then when that was shared with me, it's like, that it was just eye opening. It's mm-hmm. like, cause I, I suffered from that, you know, the, that, that social economic tourism, mm-hmm. I'd go in thinking I'm helping, but then I go home mm-hmm. and I, nothing's established. So that's really where I want to help people is to, you know, to, to have you know, programs that really build people Then that have a pandemic of hope, you know, around that and you'll know, have that spread.
0: Yeah. Awesome, man. So, I mean, it lead, leads me into my next question, which was what matters most to you and your community um, and I think you spell that out, and I, that's the first time I've heard of that term, socioeconomic tourism. Um, and it's profound, and I, and I, I agree. I think uh, we, we, we can all be guilty of patting ourselves on the back, checking a box. We, you know, we, we drove through a certain area, but you're actually helping to implement programs that are making an impact in those communities. Right. Um, what do you think, uh, if you look back, what are you most proud of? It's funny. I, I I have
1: a problem with with that. It's because it, I I always I, I'm always on to the next. You know, and that's exactly. like, I was I was thinking about that for another project that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working on. Uh, and it's is it oh well, you know, well I sold four billion dollars in loans. Well, that's that's pretty good, mm-hmm. you know. Or you know I I helped a bank with buy a hundred million uh, this last year. No, that's great too. Uh, but then you look and well, I mentored a woman who was having problems, you know, working in an office environment because she was on the road uh, working with more vendors and Mm -hmm. you know, it's uh, where you would be a little bit more crude uh, Mm -hmm. on the road and Mm -hmm. she was having trouble adapting to the office experience. Mm -hmm. So mentoring her through that and then seeing how she now you know, is more successful and has gotten a job in an even better place. So is, is that where it's at? And again, it's, you know, all of these things help people, but one is, you know, the buying the loans, that was my job. You know, that's, that's what I do, but going above and beyond helping people and building others so that they can do great things. And then, you know, they can, you know, in return, it, it, it's just, it helps me too. It gives me confidence seeing that they've, Uh, Gone and done great things, and that's that's. I think that's more where it's at.
0: Yeah, it's more rewarding for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, What would you say is the Chad Betts brand, and is does it align with what you want it to be? Yeah, this this is going
1: to sound like an interview answer, but but I'll break it down a little bit more. I get results. I am very goal oriented, and this goes back to what we're talking about with reading. When I was in college, uh, there's an article from 1898 by uh, Albert Hubbard. So it's not L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, it's, I was going to uh, say, yeah, it's a yes. Scientologist. Yeah, no, yeah, it's Albert yeah. Hubbard. Yeah. Uh, he was a uh, Kevin's a journalist. A
0: Scientologist, by the way. So okay, never. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, I guess yeah, that's that's a question. Albert no, no, it's Albert Hubbard, and no. it was uh, from 1898, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he wrote an article. Uh, called A Message to Garcia, where uh, President McKinley tasked a soldier named Rowan uh, to go find the leader of uh, the, the Cuban rebels. And he just went and did it.
0: And this uh, is this the story where he goes from one side of the island to the other. That's right. Yeah, yeah and
1: it spends a week and he brings the message back. That's exactly right. Uh, and he didn't ask where he was. He didn't say, "Do I have to do it now?" Uh, and that just struck me. Yeah. It just and it, he it, just, it, it he just just did I, it. I'll take care of it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Give me a week. <laughs> 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 well, I I looked at that. and I said, I want to be hit, Rowan. Mm. I want people to say you give it to Chad it gets done right. and when I look for people who work for me I look for that too uh, you know here's a task it's okay to ask questions get it done uh, and that's that's sunk with me and I want that to be my brand that when you work with Chad you get results and I, I believe I've st- stood up to that except in my weight loss. You know, my trainer and my doctor are still yelling at me. I'm still too fat. Oh no! So, but
0: so you squeezed into your suit. So that's I what did. Matters. I
1: did. Yeah. I did. The tie was the tie last night was tough. So no tie today.
0: <laughs> that's when you know. Can you do that top button? That's like, it. That's yeah, that's exactly. a, That's the goal of life. Right.
1: Yeah, you don't need a little extender.
0: <laughs> um. So <clears throat> let's talk about your books a little bit because sure. you you you've got two of them out right now. Yes. Um, we'll start with the, your first book was late bloomer. Yes. So let's start with that one. Tell us the inspiration and and like, who's your audience and how, how it can help people. Sure. I
1: actually started out writing a novel and when I was writing it, I was talking to my peers, Oh, I could never do that. Mm. And then all of a sudden we're talking about like an exercise routine. Oh, I'm too old for that. Too old. You're five years younger than me. What do you mean too old? (laughs) And I heard, I can't, I can't, I can't from people from 35 to 50 and what I found was, is that people give up on their goals. Right. Even earlier than that, you know, if you, know, you have, and, and pop culture hurts us too with this. You have the 25 under 25, and you know, people think that, up. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm 30. I'm. Well, gone. you go to the I'm,
0: party store and it's like over the hill. That's like right. If you're 40, you're over the hill. Yeah, it's or like, it's even like
1: a, you have uh, you have people uh, on. I fall and I can't get up, and they look like they're 50. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know yeah. it's like and it's it's all out there, and it's just pounded into us. Mm. And that based on our insecurities, well, you know, I didn't get there when I was 25. You know, I guess I just can't do it. And some of us, you know, in, in the case of the title of the first book, mm-hmm. we're late bloomers. You know, we don't get it right away. Uh, and it takes time. And, and especially these days where we're living longer. I mean, if even if you're, you know, 60 and we're leave it, living into our 80s, what are you going to do with 20 years? There's so much that could be accomplished. And it's just, you know, focusing on that you still have it in you. And it's, it, you know, success does not have an expiration date.
0: I love it, man. I love it. And and when did you publish this
1: one? Uh, Two thousand nineteen.
0: Excellent.
1: How long did it take you to write this book? Yeah, that the, the first <laughs> the first one uh, it, it, the well writing or editing. I mean, the first one, the uh, the, <laughs> the first draft took about three months, and I read it It was the most god awful thing I've ever read in my life, and then you know after about you know. 12 more months of myself editing it and then sending it to someone else to look at so yeah. I would say it, it was the process was about you know, two years total yeah uh, but it's just the the whole thing is put a stake in the ground write a first draft yeah
0: you know just don't you, do like the shining and go to a hotel and kill your whole family
1: no, no that's yeah that's the, the, the that's the
0: distraction <laughs> <Go>. <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah, so Late Bloomer, I love the message behind it, and um, it's true, man. I mean, and you even got Don Wetmore on here, uh, who's, a, who's a friend of ours and, and uh, just a, a, a great guy um, with, a, with a quote on here. And now, did you have a – this is more like for our, our, our aspiring authors out mm-hmm. there and entrepreneurs. I mean, your audience is could be pretty much anyone, executives, uh, business owners – people in general, middle age and up? Yes. Pretty much. Um, what was your strategy, like, once you wrote it? Um, how did you, you kind of get the word out there? Word of mouth. You know, I, yeah. I didn't
1: expect this book to be a, you know, bestseller. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be on New York Times with it. Mm-hmm. But it just offers that little bit of, you know, credibility for me. That's mm-hmm. the benefit for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it helps others. You know, what, you know, going around talking to people about the book uh that's you know actually that's what led to uh the second mouse was you know some of the feedback i got from uh mm-hmm. the first book
0: mm-hmm. yeah tell us tell us a bit about um this one the uh, uh the, you know everybody says you know what, what is it the uh, i mean i get it so The second mouse gets the cheese. What happens to the first mouse?
1: Well, it's it's from the old joke. You know, the early bird may get the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. And, you know, life offers us traps. There's a a lot of traps. And the three traps I talk about in uh, the second mouse are the mediocrity trap, Mm -hmm. uh, the isolation trap, and the artificial life trap. Uh, With the mediocrity trap, there's a couple things that lead to that. One is not having a good understanding of what we believe. Understand success to be, you know, we have so many influencers in our life pushing us to say, "Oh, if you become an accountant, you'll always have a job." And that might be true, but if you hate accounting, it's hard to be successful. Uh, and the other piece is, is that you know, it's important to plan, but we get stuck in planning. We get comfortable with planning, and we never execute. So we get we're not failures, but we never reach that level of success. Our potential gives us. We, we're stuck in that middle. Uh, and that could you know, lead to the isolation trap where it's like you feel, oh, I can't succeed. And you may doubt yourself. You may even have self-loathing that maybe you did something really bad in your past and you just haven't forgiven yourself. That will keep you from being successful. So to be able to trust yourself and more importantly, forgive yourself for mistakes you've made. Uh, and if you have to go and you know, apologize to other people, do it. Go out and get it off your chest because it's going to hold you back. Mm -hmm. And then one thing that's relatively new is the artificial life trap uh, with... Word games out there or these empire building games. I mean, back, you know, I, I'll age myself again way back when Facebook first started, there was a game Mafia Wars, and I would <laughs> play it at night. You and it was, that? yeah, <laughs> and I'd play it at night, and then I started getting up to higher levels. And then I noticed that when I was at work, people would attack me, and I'm like, Why am I have all these points gone? So I said, You know what? I better check it when I'm at work. So I didn't. All of a sudden, I found myself playing
0: it. You're at in work. the virtual world, like That's all day. That's right. And it's like, <laughs> you
1: know, what's and you get that that endorphin rush of yeah. success, yeah. but it's not real success. So you're really focused on you're getting this little rush of success here. Because it's a car- cold, hard world out there, mm. but that's where real success lies. So we distract ourselves with these little bits of success. And now I have nothing against video games, but if you get wrapped up to it and it just feeds your endorphins so you don't go out and pursue what's real, mm. uh, you really you have to pursue life experiences, not likes. Right. I mean, I guess that's right. really the key.
0: That's a great message, especially we were having an internal conversation today about... Uh, the metaverse you know mm. and you're seeing like Wendy's just built a restaurant in the metaverse right. like so we're moving towards this building this artificial life um and you know ready player one kind of right. with similar you know Oculus people are buying those and playing golf uh and not leaving the home kind of a thing so we're m- trending that way um but i think it is important that uh we don't miss out on real life on what's happening and 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 it is a distraction because um, you know, with, with, with writing my book and I'm sure writing your book, I was skimming through yours. You said that um, you got up early every morning mm-hmm. to write. And that's one of the things I did was I just, that was my perfect time to write before my wife got up and before people started, you know, before I I felt like I was ignoring people right. or ignoring things I needed to do, I just got up early and found time. Um, and And, yeah, I mean, spending time in a virtual world totally eats up your... Yeah, your time. I mean, even
1: it's like when I was writing the book too. It's like you get a little distracted. You say, no, what? I need, I need a little pick me up. Let me, mm. let me go on YouTube and watch some Rodney Dangerfield or Richard Pryor, and <laughs> you pick me up. I like, how did three hours go by? You know, <laughs> 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 you know and it's, it, it, happens. it it's, happens. It happens to us all. Yeah. Uh, but if you set, if you set yourself up where you're really immersed in the metaverse. Mm. Uh, it's hard to get out, yeah. whereas because even on the periphery where you kind of stick your toe in, it's like two hours you can go by and, you know, it's a, what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Now, what's your – I've seen you do some speaking engagements. Um, you know, you've made some appearances uh, on the second mouse. When you do these, are you still uh, uh, promoting the late bloomer? Are you kind of doing both? Or are you focused? Like, what's your strategy? Because, you know, we have entrepreneurs out there listening and business owners listening, and there's this – there's this tried and true model of you know when you get to a certain age you become a subject matter expert you mm-hmm. build your brand you write a book and you understand the book's not going to be a bestseller but it, it like you mentioned it, it establishes credibility then you start doing the speaking and that kind of leads to your work where you're you know consulting so mm-hmm. what's been your your strategy with this have you are you are you bootstrapping this are you doing are you kind of is it trial and error or do you have an agency that you're working with? Kind of tell us a bit about the planning stages of, of promoting your book.
1: So it started off trial and error, especially with Late Bloomer. Uh, late Bloomer, I designed the cover. I went out. I got some free artwork, and you'll see in the inside cover. It gives credit to the person uh, mm-hmm. wh- whose artwork it is. I, you know, had volunteer editors, mm-hmm. uh, and I just I really bootstrapped it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the next one. Uh, I got some you know some design help for the cover, uh, but it's still it's you know it's mostly me uh, doing it again because i I did want to invest uh, that much in it. I wanted to you know get it out there and you know build it. but now that it's out there, I'm starting to grow it. so where I will. Uh, probably contract with an agency. You know, you're building up to get uh, the the website, with mm-hmm. the speaking engagements and things like that. Because uh, I've been leveraging it uh, for different classes. So, like, I'll I'll teach a like a, a class on you know getting to the first draft of a book. Mm-hmm. You know the. Yeah, that, that's the key. I mean, a lot of people. I, I even now, I know some people who are who are writing a book, but uh, they're designing a cover and uh, they haven't put one <laughs> word down. It's like, you know, it's like that's the that's fun part. <laughs> it is. It's a fun part, but again, that's the distraction. Exactly. Yeah, if you don't have a first draft, you don't have a book. Right. You know, you can have all the covers and the promotional materials, <laughs> uh, but if you don't have the book, you don't have a book. <laughs> yeah. All right. yeah, and then you know, leveraging it out with some of the lessons in uh, the second mouse uh, I've been going out and I, it's, it's great. The one silver lining of the pandemic uh, is the introduction of zoom. And I know that every has zoom fatigue, but I love zoom. And the reason is, is it conquers geography. Mm-hmm. I did a presentation uh, in Singapore on the book. I've Done talks in Saudi Arabia, and it's just it's amazing. So while everybody's getting Zoom fatigue, I am doubling down with cameras and lights and, and yeah. uh, new presentation software, uh, so that you don't have the little talking head and the big slide. And it's uh, you know, when you're doing presentations, you could mix it up a little bit where people can actually see your eyes, and they're not right. uh, they're not falling asleep
0: looking at slides. Yeah, I mean, and and imagine the the flights. I mean, you don't have to take these flights around the world to right. to pitch the book. You you know, you 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 bring the audiences to you. Um, would you say that's one of the major kind of, I wouldn't say changes, but um, it seems to me like that that technology and this, you know, utilized to promote books and so forth and give workshops is here to stay for you as far as your repertoire. I would say 100%. I mean, that, that's the, uh, the one thing I've
1: learned uh, through the pandemic that, that will definitely stay because uh, it's easy. Yeah. And if you put some effort into it, uh, learn how to do it properly and buy some tools, you can have a really engaging virtual presentation. Yeah. Uh, again, a lot of times you have people uh, see uh, the PowerPoint slide with 15 bullets that they would normally see in person. They see it online turn their camera off start playing with their phone but if you can reform it where it's more engaging mm-hmm. and you make the person uh you know, really look at it i mean in a half hour presentation in person i might have you know 10 slides online i'll have 70 slides there's pictures there's you know uh, cutouts it's all different things and it's boom 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 because if you're not moving fast they're going to sleep yeah and that's uh, but if you can do that you can really be engaging and have an excellent experience for your audience
0: excellent excellent what um what's an ideal client for you for your consulting business someone
1: who's in the middle what I mean by that is they have had some success you know whether it's you know in business or volunteer or wherever uh, and they just feel stuck uh, and they need that little boost uh, to get to that next level I would say that is the uh, the person who I can help most
0: okay and what's the best way for them to reach you
1: uh, either through my uh, LinkedIn Chad C. bets or via email they can Reach out to me Chad C betz all one word at gmail.com all
0: right awesome and what are, what are the best places to purchase your books
1: I said the most convenient is on Amazon and if you link in with me you'll see some of the events I've had so you can buy it in person meet me
0: and uh, we get uh, we could talk about yeah. it yeah well Chad you know it's been a pleasure having you here um, I always like to say I'm much taller in person but you definitely are. Much taller in person. <laughs> so I, it's been great meeting you and having you here in, in studio. So i uh, love to have you back, and you've got a great message, and you're doing a lot of great work out there, so keep it up. Thanks a lot for having me. It was a great time. All right. Hey, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of Mission Control. Until next time, this is Ramon Peralta with Peralta Design, and we launch brands. Thank you for taking this journey with
1: us. To learn more about Peralta Design and our work, go to www.peraltadesign.com
0: and subscribe to keep up with the crew.